Welcome to Breaking Barriers Project Institute Radio. We're on the air. We're going to have a conversation with Augie Ogburn, photographer and historical figure. Very shortly. We'll be right back. Augie Ogburn. Yo. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. That's great to hear. Uh, As long as you're fine, the world's working. You're a a great capture of history. Of history. Uh, Just uh, for our audience, uh, just to get started, can you give us a little background about who you are, uh, starting with who you are right now, and we can always go back to the past and come forward. But tell us who you are. You're a photographer, we know, but who are you? Yeah, well, I I was fortunate enough to uh, find, uh, uh, I guess, occupation that I really fell in love with because prior to being a photographer, I was a social worker in Harlem. And I also worked for General Motors, and my territory was uh, Brooklyn. But I didn't, I wasn't, hadn't been in the service. And when you work for corporate America, you know, it's sort of like the military. So actually, so when I came to D.C., uh, back to D.C., because I went to, graduated from Howard in 1968 and went to New York, uh, got married, it didn't work, and then came back to D.C. And when I came back to D.C., uh, a good friend of mine, bless uh, his soul, Tom Foster, uh, asked me, did I want to go to graduate school? And I really didn't have any uh, intentions, but he said that uh, it was a good good program, and I sort of got into it. And I went, I did go to graduate school, but you got credits for the different jobs I had in New York as a social worker. So it wasn't that hard. Graduate school wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And while I was in graduate school is when I taught myself photography. And, mm-hmm. and what's unusual about that when I think of saying that to you is that, you know, you've been in school all your life and you teach yourself something and that became your career. But it also boils down to if you find something you like, you never work a day in your life. And one of my main sayings is employment of enjoyment, because uh, actually that's what it was like when they said, you're going to be with Whitney Houston tomorrow. Man, I couldn't even go to sleep that night. Then after Whitney Houston, you know, Natalie Cole, and you know, how did all how did big legs, how, big legs? Uh, what's her name? Big legs married Aretha to uh, Franklin. No, well, big, I, I'm really talking about the girl I say that that two sang in the group and left the group, and she married uh, you know the rapper, super oh, rapper, wow. uh, Beyonce. Damn, I couldn't think of Beyonce. Oh, you know, getting okay. old, getting old, man. And I'm looking at a picture, believe it or not. I have a I have a, oh, a board a board right next to where I am right now with a lot of different pictures on it and. Uh, couldn't think of Beyonce. And I, I get that way. You know, I might embarrass you if we run into some people together and, you know, I, I know who you are. I know your name, but if it's not on the, the you know, on, on the beatbox, I might not remember the sucker, you know, other oh. than that. Though, okay. Where we have now we in Washington and I'm, I'm starting to take pictures. And what happened was uh, I had a neighbor. I lived in the Envoy on 16th street. And I had a neighbor, brand new guy, who was working at the radio station, and we became best friends. And that's Andre Perry. And a guy like Andre Perry, I have to admit, is very significant in my uh, love in photography because it was hanging out with him when I got into dealing with radio and music. Now I always was into music, but you know I wasn't into 
you know, music is partying and stuff, but I never was into music as far as working with entertainers. And, and for us now, it reached 50 years. My last gig was like in 2000. And it was, my last gig was with Little Kim. And that's when I realized I was getting too old for the business because I wasn't enjoying it, enjoying it as much. It wasn't employment of enjoyment. When, and I ain't knocking it. You know, that was the whole generation that, uh, you know, that I wasn't into and didn't understand. I, I started out with Earth, Wind & Fire and you end up with Little Kim. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the way I say I started with Earth, Wind & Fire, I got a call one day in the early 70s from a guy saying, my name is Larry Dunn. I'm with a group called Earth, Wind & Fire. We come into D.C., you know. You know, we, what's going on? I said, "Yeah, hey, well, come on by." He, he, uh, Larry came by with Philip, and at the time they had a girl with them. Uh, what is her name? They had, a, they had a girl with them in the beginning, and uh, she came with them. And uh, you know, I got to we, you know, went to the concerts and stuff, and and then you know, actually, I had gone to Egypt. I was blessed enough to go to Egypt, and on my way back from Egypt, I'm in a uh, the airport in LaGuardia Airport in in New York, and I run into. Uh, Maurice brother, Maurice brother, the bass player, Verdine, Verdine White. And I'm saying, hey, Verdine, I just got back from Egypt. You know, I was all excited and stuff. But he was, you know, superstar. He was cool. And then, then I realized, you know, he, the, the whole group was into Egypt because after that, everything I saw from them was like Egyptian, you know, onks and pyramids and stuff like that. They even had pyramids on stage when they performed. And, you know, that's how I got started. And like I say, if it wasn't for Andre Perry, who was the music director at radio, a brand new radio station, and we became best friends. And, you know, when you're the music director at a station, you, you get a lot of perks and stuff like that. I guess you ain't supposed to, but you do. And, uh, you know, so, you know, hanging, hanging out with him a lot, me and my girlfriend, we would be at the clubs and, you know, backstage passes. And, and eventually, because of HUR, was an un, unusual station because it was the first station in the country that began playing albums, FM and albums. Because prior to that, everything was AM, you know, with the 45s with the big hole in the middle, you know. Mm-hmm. So, 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 HUR got into a thing when they started, came on the air talking about 360 degrees of blackness. And so they started mm-hmm. playing Al Jarreau and Phyllis Hyman and, you know, Slave Driver. I can't think of everybody's name, but, you know, they were, they wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't what they were playing. It wasn't like the Temptations and what they were playing, Smokey Robinson and stuff. They played that too, but they wasn't playing it like the FM, AM stations were. You know, mm-hmm. so Andre, being a brand new guy at the radio station, gets flown out to San Francisco, and he's questioned on how is your radio station selling albums? And I guess he was just saying, like, you know, we started notifying the record companies that, uh, first of all, Andre was very, uh, he was a militant in a way, because when he became music director, he was telling the record companies, don't be sending a white boys here with records. <laughs> and that was sort of like a transition at the time, because, uh, you know, White Boys was bringing the records to the radio stations. Then, then Andre saw some black black cats who started coming to the station. And after I got to meet them over the, over a couple of years, then that's how I got to shoot this mid-Atlantic area exclusively. The only mm-hmm. only uh, record company that I didn't work for was, was CBS for a minute because uh, not my competition, but one of my good friends worked for that company. And he and he made one of the representatives from the record company the godmother of his uh, of his son. So I didn't get no more records from CBS after that. But I had all the rest of the record companies, Arista, Rhea, you know, and, and I have to say, I, I was enjoying it all the time. And people don't realize, you know, after you take the pictures, you got to come home and go in the dark room. You develop in the film and then you print the pictures. And I sort of like that because that independence let me be in charge of what I was mm-hmm. doing. Sometimes you could be in a, you know, have a project with a couple of people 
And if one of the or one or two of them don't come through, the project doesn't get done. You know, Carrington, uh, Carrington, you know, you know, Carrington, you know how it is the projects with people. Right. Other than that, mm-hmm. though, uh, I, I really have to say, too, this is very important. And I didn't realize it until, you know, I, I'm 78. At my age, you know, a lot of your friends begin to pass away. And uh, one of them right now, uh, Tom Foster, one of my main boys who I hung out with, I realized that it was because of him that I even went to school. And mm-hmm. just beginning to realize that you that if you, you, you have to be fortunate, hopefully, that you can surround yourself with good people. Because when you surround yourself with good people, it'll take you in the right direction. Like I say, I'm hooking up with Andre. He got me into the music thing at the radio station. Now, I always was in the music. I was even in a doo-wop group in high school, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Eric. I don't know where you want me to go, Carrington, from now, from here. Where, where, what other questions do you want to ask me? Well, I can just give the audience a little bit of background and say that uh, you worked uh, for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. Uh, yeah, and, that was uh, in Harlem, Harlem. Yeah, that was before you worked at General Motors. Yeah. And then after you were with uh, Howard University's WHUR FM radio station as a freelance photographer, you worked for mm-hmm. and photographed uh, entertainers from Sony, Arista, WEA, BMG, Polygram, Motown, and MCA. And as you said, only CBS is, is left. But I'm also curious about the photographs on your wall. You're a photographer. You've, you've documented everybody from, as you say, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire to, to Little Kim mm-hmm. uh, and everybody in between. Uh, what are the photographs that you have on your wall right now that you're looking at? Well, the photographs I'm looking at right now is a picture of uh, Rosa Parks. Uh, another one would be Nelson Mandela. And another one I have is uh, the Bishop, Bishop Desmond Tutu. And... Uh, I look at those pictures to, for inspiration, especially when I look at Rosa Parks, you know, what she has done. And even when I think of Chancellor, uh, the book that he wrote, The Destruction of Black Civilization, has really made an impact on, on, on Black people as knowing who and, who and where we came from. Because, you know, as I came through school, you know, I, I, we had nothing above, above slavery, really. I mean, everything was above slavery, nothing before that. And, and, I just recently, uh, okay, this is probably, hello? Okay, Tracy, I'm gonna call you right back. I have to call you right back. I'm doing a show right this minute, okay? Peace. That was my daughter wishing me happy Father's Day. Well, this well, is Father's well, happy, Day when you're doing this recording. Yeah, happy Father's Day to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my daughter calling me. I had to tell her I'll call you right back. Well, and, and so, you know, I really feel I, when I look at those kind of people, you know, like, you know, Nelson Mandela would go to jail before he would give up what his beliefs were. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, some of the things that they did was, I, I don't know if I had the heart personally, if I could go that route or be that strong to deal with even death or whatever, you know. But, uh, you know, those people make me proud. And then I also got to cover, I, I shot the judiciary hearings for the impeachment of Nixon. And mm-hmm. at the time when I did that, I really didn't know anything. You know, a lot of my gigs, I really don't know what I'm doing. And so when so a magazine from New York, Encore, says, I want you to go cover the, the Just for Every Hearings, I didn't know what the heck they were talking about, but I'm going to the Capitol with my little two cameras and two lenses. You know, my, like you can't use a flash in the Capitol. So, you know, so when I get down there, the first thing they did was yell at me, Where, where's your shirt and tie? You know, I'm saying, oh, wow. And then you open up this room with all these Congress people sitting around in these 
whole the whole big big huge room full of these guys, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm saying, wow. So what happened was was what was exceptional for me covering that particular thing. Uh, it was uh, Tanya's, the guy Wrangle and Barbara Jordan. They were the three blacks that was on the Judas River hearings at the time. And so when it got to be a break time, those three got together, sitting down together in the front where the woman that was working for the magazine Encore, she was interviewing them. And so I'm taking pictures and she's interviewing them. And all of a sudden she turns to me and says, turn up, the camera's on us. And I looked up, man. And because I looked up, man, my mother saw me. Mm -hmm. My mother saw me, man, my, my number one fan. And the phones lit up in Queens after that. You know, guess mm -hmm. where I saw David, you know. Because if you remember, all that stuff was on TV at the time. Mm -hmm. Just just hearing for the impeachment of Nixon. And, you know, even when they had the water game, all that stuff was on TV, they, you know. And uh, so my mom saw me. I was so happy and thrilled. And I talk about that every now. I, I must be getting a little bit more mature because I usually cry when I talk about that. You know, because mom's is gone now. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, of course I miss her. But, hey. Life, life has to go on. I still go towards the light. Look towards Amen. the light, bro. You know? Well, okay. Well, let, me just, let me just read this real quick. Uh, it says, Ogburn's photog photographs have been published in trade and consumer magazines ranging from Billboard to U.S. News and World Report. He was work, uh, included, is included in several photography collection books uh, about African-American images, history, and culture. Ogburn's photography has been exhibited at the Smithsonian's National History Museum, the African-American Museum in Philadelphia, the Brooklyn Museum of Art, as well as various exhibits in Atlanta, Detroit, Montgomery, Beijing, China, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, you've won several awards, the Impact Award for Excellence uh, in 1997, the Exposure Group of Groups Award in 2002, Photographer of the Year, and the Mid-Atlantic uh, Music Alliance's Preservation of Music History Honor in 2007. So you, in those 78 years, you've, uh, you are fortunate that you found what you love and that you're good yeah. at it. Yeah, well, that, that happens. I, I, well, I think that's the advantage of something when you love it. And I sort of got into it. And if you're sort of creative, I, you know, I always looked for the unusual kind of shot. And and sometimes I would stand in one spot shooting the same thing over and over, you know, especially if it's a person on stage or something. You just try to get that one great shot, you know. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you know, hey, but I loved what I was doing, man. I, and and I and I can't say and more than you got to love it. Along with you know, again, who you who you who you associate with, you know, because I could have been with some brothers that would say, "Hey, man, you never make it," or oh, those pictures ain't that cool. Because when you start out. You know, well, well, taking pictures today is entirely different than taking pictures when I started out. And I mm -hmm. guess you might know you have to control the shutter speed, you have to control the aperture settings. Where nowadays everything is automatic, even for the flash and stuff. When when I when Holly Little, who was one of the great photographers out of DC, the late Holly Little, he told me if you got this Nikon flash, you could take pictures drunk. I was saying, what the mm -hmm. heck is he talking about? So what happens? I get this Nikon flash, and I'm shooting a party one night. And I noticed that there's a laser that comes out of the flash to hit the subject to come back to the camera. I said, man, this technology. And he was right. Because a lot of times for me to be sociable, when I would go to these record parties in the evening, you know, I might start out with a wine. And once I get, get, to, get to being happy or feeling good is when I'm, when I'm bugging people. Hey, let me get this shot. Give it up. Give it up. Mm -hmm. You know, no, I said, let me get this fine woman with you. You know, mm -hmm. I, I sort of got to play the, know how to play the game. And, and to be honest with you, <clears throat> 
you treat you treat people the way you want to be treated. And that's the only reason I even lasted as long as I did. Because when I went into radio stations, TV stations, whatever, I would shoot the secretaries with the artists. And even mm-hmm. today, you know, you know, when I put a picture up of, uh, say, Janet Jackson at BET with a bunch of the secretaries, and people would always say, oh, man, those are the good old days. I got a picture that I put up of Tina Turner going to WHUR with all the secretaries and stuff. Again, they were saying those are the good old days, you know. And it was mm-hmm. funny how in all both of those places, DET and HUR, was sort of like training grounds for people to move. But HUR was really at the Howard University radio. And, you know, there was always a debate. Is this a commercial radio? Or is this one to educate students in radio? But a lot of people got into uh, communication became what was hot during that period. Everybody mm-hmm. wanted to be in the communications, you know. And uh, and I was just fortunate enough. And I, and I always say this in this. And I'm not, I'm not ego tripping the number, but I, I didn't prepare this. And my life has been prepared for me. And I'm just going along with what's prepared for me, to be honest with you. Because I at this point, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, I was so going to say, just, I thoroughly understand what you're saying. Thoroughly. And you were saying okay. at this point, right. Yeah. And, you know, now that I'm retired, you know, I'm getting ready to maybe have a big exhibit up at Howard. They just came and got 31 pictures from me to stick in the new library. Uh, the new, new library that they've they, they, they built added another section to the library at Howard, and they asked me what I you know donate don't donate pictures because I I am going to donate part of my photo collection to Howard University anyway because I was blessed enough to uh, graduate from there and uh, you know and I love the university I don't know how well it loved me because it was might not it wasn't that well it wasn't that hard to get into but I ain't gonna lie it was kind of hard to get out of because. Uh, you know, <laughs> easy to get in, too hard to get out of. But hey, I know one thing that I had to do. I could not go back to New York without no degree. And that's why I was determined. Because I was around a lot of cats at Howard that, you know, didn't have discipline. You know, didn't have discipline to study. And these guys were really bright. You know, but mm. they, you know, they got hung up with the oil character. You know, a lot of things could go on to, to take you away from classes and stuff. And, and of course, being in a place like Washington is a lot of, Outside things, outside of Washington, outside of actually Howard University, that can get your attention. Now, even if it's riots or, or parades or you know demonstrations, you know there's a lot of things that uh, that go on in Washington, along with the uh, you know partying and everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say uh, for those we we have a video recording of uh, of you on our YouTube channel, which is going to be right next to the button for our. Uh, podcast channel mm-hmm. uh, but just as as in a, in a final minute so to speak mm-hmm. i'd like to get a, a an idea from you of what is it that makes you a recognized photographer as far as you're concerned that makes you unique and as a creative person and you are unique as a creative person in addition to the subject matter you're fortunate enough to get but what is it about your your, your creative as creative work well i think i think really First of all, I think one of the major things that I worked with that worked for me was I didn't go to school for photography. I was self-taught. And so when you sort of self-taught, you're kind of raw and you and you look at you look at everything. You look at a lot of images. You know, you see images when you get into photography, still photography. And after a while, once you get good at it, you could take a picture and say, I know that's a hot one. You know what I mean? You say, mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. That, I know that's a good one. But before before I let you go, Carrington, I have to say one of the greatest things I ever did was to hook up with a historian named Chancellor Williams. He wrote a, a profound history book called The Destruction of Black Civilization, 
which was one of the major, even today, one of the major history books that are used in the university and colleges around the country. And uh, through him, I sort of got, got, got to learn who I was. And it helped me have a foundation to fear no man and that no man was greater than me. And I, I just wanted to stick that in. That, that had a lot to do with the development of me. Because, you know, we go through life, we don't, don't know anything about our history. And then when you start learning that we built the pyramids 2,500 years before Christ was even born. You know, and medicine right. and architecture and so many things that we did that we never got credit for. And, and just, just recently to have a movie and talk about three women that were mathematicians that got us around the moon or whatever. You know, that mm. should have been in the history books. So now there is a problem I'm seeing. I saw on, on television today. The problem is people don't, you know, the history books are full of lies. Christopher Columbus didn't discover nothing, you know. Well, hey, I could go on and on, and that's a whole other well, thing. Well, you, we need to do this again because you need to go on and on, and we will do this again. Obviously, and I saw this recently, and I've known it before, there was a presence of Africans in Mexico uh, uh, hundreds of years before Columbus. And uh, you, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Once you have no fear and, and plenty of self-appreciation, which is what we're trying to promote, uh, the world doesn't, it doesn't matter what uh, somebody else thinks. Right. And, and the universe will bring you protection on your way to your, to your goals. Right. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Hey. And uh, I want to thank you again. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do this again. Look forward to it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and I hope everybody else enjoyed it. And thank you. And I, I look forward to talking to you sometime in the future. Adios, my brother. Peace. Okay. Thank you. This time, God We'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>